This week, we saw two diametrically opposite pictures of two different kinds of mothers. Last Saturday, in Allen Allen Mall mass shooting, we heard that Cindy Cho shielded her six-year-old son, Williams, with her body and saved from assault rifles bullet. And when police found William later in the bosom of Cindy, he was soaked with his mother's blood. In that horrible sight, we catch a glimpse of a holiness. Like Cindy covered the little William, Christ embraced us on the cross and clothed sinners with his righteousness and precious blood. And then we heard past Friday an Idaho mother named Lori Vallo murdered her daughter and son to steal insurance money and their social security benefits. One mother sacrificed herself for children. Another mother sacrificed her children for herself. This is why an American science fiction writer, Robert Highland, said, being a mother is an attitude, not a biological relation. Being a mother and mothering someone are two different things. We all have a mothers, but not everyone has mother like a Cindy. Some of the greatest mothers in history were in fact the stepmothers. Abraham Lincoln once said, no man is a poor who has a godly mother. And by godly mother, Lincoln was referring to his stepmother, Sarah. And we all owe Sarah Bush Lincoln, whose tender love and encouragement nourished the awkward, lonely Abraham Lincoln to be a great man that we all know. Lincoln actually called his stepmother, my angel mother. And he said, all that I am hope to be, I owe to my angel mother. Today, I want to share with you an angel mother to many desperate people. I call her mother of a community because many felt her love and missed her absence terribly. Her name is Tabitha, and the story is written Acts chapter 9, 32 to 43. And as we read and reflect on this story, let us not only appreciate our mothers, but also apply the faithful love of Tabitha to our own community. So now let's read our passage responsibly, okay? So I'm going to read one verse, and you read the following verse. As Peter traveled about the country, he went to visit the Lord's people who lived in Lida. There he found a man named Aeneas, who was paralyzed and has been bedridden for eight years. Aeneas, Peter said to him, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. Immediately, Aeneas got up. All those who lived in Lida and Sharon saw him and turned to the Lord. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha in Greek. Her name is Dorcas. She was always doing good and helping the poor. About the time she became sick and died, and her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lida was near Joppa, so when the disciples heard Peter was in Lida, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. Peter went with them 
And then when he arrived, he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widows stood around him, crying and showing him the robes and other clothing Dorcas has made while she was still with them. Peter sent them all out of the room. Then he got down on his knees and prayed. Turning toward the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes. Seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by hand and they helped her to her feet. Then he called for the believers, especially the widows, and presented her to them alive. This became known all over Joppa, and many believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tenor named Simon. Flowers fall, but the word of God endures forever. Amen. Context of today's story about Tabitha was Apostle Peter's travel. If you look at the verse 32, the first starts in this way, the Peter travel about the country. And we should recognize that Peter's travel in the book of Acts was not random, but revelatory. It's not random, it's not revelatory. Starting chapter 8, we see that actually Holy Spirit scattering the first Christians from Jerusalem to Samaria and rest of the world. Because that's what Jesus told them to do in Acts chapter 1, verse 8. When you receive the Holy Spirit, you will have a power and be my witness, starting in Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and the rest of the world. And they didn't obey until the martyrdom of Stephen and the great persecution rose, and they now scattered. So travel in the book of Acts are not random accidental, but it's almost providential, and definitely Holy Spirit is leading. And anybody who is in the mission, you know, you are not doing anything random, but there is always God is with you. You know, this past week, in our forest on the border mission team, we, we kind of experienced this. You know, we've been meditating on the book of Acts, a part of our mission preparation, and uh, we experienced a similar leading of the Holy Spirit. So, Shan Na, you know, uh, uh, actually said to Pastor Paul, I think uh, this week I really experienced the faithful, you know, God's faithfulness in answering our prayers. We had a major uh, uh, game uh, uh, plan change this week. We initially going to work with uh, one particular church, and that pastor actually uh, recommended us a different church, so last-minute change, but we found that the other pastor, Pastor you know, uh, Victor Ramirez, was actually some kind of pastor we've been looking for. His facility is bigger and better, and also he has a more extensive you know, experience of reaching out to his community, and his community is a really impoverished and desperate community of a recent you know, uh, undocumented people from Mexico in the McAllen side. So we cannot thank God for Pastor Ramirez and his church, and we feel like we found a long-term partner there. Once again, we didn't plan that way. God last minute connect us through the faithful people of God. So while Peter was traveling, today, Luke told us that he healed the two followers of Jesus. One male, the other one was a female. Male named Aeneas in Lida, 22 miles northwest of Jerusalem, and he was paralyzed for eight years. 
Notice how Peter, you know, healed him. He said, Aeneas, Jesus Christ heals you. Get up and roll up your mat. You know, when you hear that, does that remind you of another story of Jesus? Those of you who took the John Discipleship 1, do you remember that exact word of Jesus to the man who was paralyzed for 38 years? Jesus said, get up and take up your mat and walk. Once again, everything Peter said and taught and did came from Jesus. And what do we call that? What do we call that? The apostles follow everything. They kind of repeated everything Jesus said and did. What's called? Thank God somebody remember. It's an apostolic succession. Yes, apostolic succession. Please remember. And the second person that Peter healed was a woman in Joppa. Joppa is a major seaport. Actually, today is Tel Aviv. And it's well known in the Bible because that's where the prophet uh, Jonah took the ship uh, to Tarshish, opposite direction of Nineveh where God told him to preach. That was a Joppa. Now, why did Luke give us, uh, you know, these two stories together? This is a vintage, you know, Luke's way of uh, expressing God's fairness and goodness to all. You know, Luke always sandwiched uh, like a story with a man and woman. For instance, Luke chapter 1, he talks about Zacharias in a response to the, you know, the birth of their son with Elizabeth's response. Chapter 2, not just Simon's story, but Anna's story. And the interesting thing about Luke, he always makes uh, the second story, the woman's story, is better. Better means they are the more exemplary in terms of a faith. Just like today, the uh, Tabitha story received a longer, you know, more, you know, space and attention. In Tabitha's story, I want to share the three significances about being exemplary and inspiring follower of Christ with you, and especially with everybody who wants to be a better mother, father, or family members. So first thing Luke tells us about Tabitha was her name and her identity. He mentioned her names in Aramaic and Greek. Look at the verse 36. In Joppa, there was a disciple named Tabitha. In Greek, her name is Dorcas. Okay, I don't think we should name our daughters Dorcas these days. That couldn't be a total chaos. I mean, you know, it could be trouble later. So she was always doing good and helping the poor. Dokas in uh, so Arabic name or Jewish name was a Tabitha, and the Greek name was a Dokas, which means a gazelle. You know, gazelle. They're a beautiful, graceful, you know, the animal. And these bilingual names imply that she was comfortable in dual cultures, interacting with both Jews and Greeks. But more importantly, the first thing Luke said about her was that she was a disciple. She was a disciple. Luke identified her foremost as a disciple of Christ. You know, in English Bible, we miss the nuance, the significance of this term. But in Greek, the word the, the, the disciple is actually female form of the word method and disciple, which is in Greek is a methetes, but here is a methetria. 
In Spanish, Bible is a, you know, it's better because Spanish has a word for man, male and female, right? So Spanish word for the disciple or follower of Christ is a seguidor. But here in Spanish Bible, they say, there había una seguidora llamada Tabitha. You know, there is a follow, female disciple named Tabitha. More than anything, Tabitha was a disciple of Jesus. It means her identity was a follower of Christ, and her top priority is to love and trust and obey Jesus. And to be a disciple of Jesus simply means one thing, to be a shepherd of other people and care for, with a, a, a care for them with a prayers and sacrifice. And because that's what we, you know, we saw Jesus' conversation with Peter after the, you know, resurrection. Do you guys remember John chapter 21? Jesus asked Peter what? Do you love me more than all this? And soon as Peter, you know, said yes, what did Jesus say? Feed my lambs. Take care of my flock. To be disciple and follower of Christ means to be, to be shepherds of other people. That's why our church's vision, forest vision is what? To be a good sheep to Jesus and to be a good shepherd to others. You know, as a pastor and uh, someone who's been reading and doing a discipleship for more than 40 years, let me say this. You know, discipleship these days, people talk about is a very vague and uh, sometimes very abstract and, and even esoteric terms. But discipleship and spiritual maturity, they go together and they all point out one thing that is shepherding other people. Why? You cannot, when you shepherd other people, what happened to you? You will experience frustration, exasperation, even anger or disappointment that God feels for you. It's like uh, when you become a parent, all of a sudden you understand your parent. The father or mother that you thought was a, sorry, um, I had an edit, I thought my, you know, my parents was a loser, so I'm sorry, you know, kind of. And then I become a, you know, parent, all of a sudden I realize that they are great, they're better than I. Why? Caring for other people is a hard, it's a hard. Spiritual growth happens when we commit ourselves to care for the people, not just as a follower of Christ, but ultimately as a shepherd of Christ. So make it no mistake. It is my intent and prayer that everyone who's been in the forest for a few years, I'm praying and urging and encouraging to become a shepherd of a Jesus' flock. Yep. So that's my card. I showed you my card. That's, that's what I'm you know, my attitude towards you. So I expect you to be a shepherd sooner or later. This may be a threat to some of you who's been with me for a while, but this is not my decision. It's our church leadership decision, and I thank God for forest leadership that is in together on this. Now, that's what Tabitha become. As a disciple of Jesus, she was a shepherd of others, and she became a shepherd is none other than widows in Joppa. And widows back then, they are the poor of the poors. 
they are the bottom, of, uh, bottom rung of a society. Just like today, when we despise poor people, I bet a lot of people despise these poor widows. Some might even speculate that whatever their sin you know, committed, they made them a poor or a widow. These people who have no one to represent them or protect them, Tabitha became their shepherd. And uh, this is a classic biblical piety. According to James 1.27, the religion that God our Father accepts as a pure and faultless is this, look after orphans and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. The religion, kind of a faith and spirituality, piety, whatever you call it that God really loves, is a look after orphans and the widows. And the interesting thing is, connected to pollution and then, and, and, and then keep oneself being polluted by the world. I think when you're shepherding other people, chance for you to sin is far less. Yeah. We can protect against the worldly you know, influence and pollution when we serve God's people. So here is the first secret of being a godly angel mother, being a shepherd. Seriously. Being a disciple of Christ. You know, Elizabeth George, American writer, said this. What is a godly mother? She said, godly mother is a one who loves the Lord, her God, with all her heart and soul and mind and strength, and then passionately, consistently, unrelentingly teaches her child to do the same. So, let me ask you, what is your plan to be a godly angel mother? You know, I know all the forest mothers, and then, you know, many mothers outside, you know, want to be a godly mother to their children. So, what's your plan? You know, just in case I googled and see what it says. It says, good mother is someone who can provide emotional support, listen attentively, even make jokes with her kid. Being a good mom also means being supportive of children's dreams and goals. It also means being open-minded to new ideas, different cultures and lifestyles. It also being a great listener. Ah, ha, ha. You know, I just, that's my response. You know? Let me tell you, the simple best way to be a godly angel mother is to love Jesus first and most. If your child sees your first and foremost love is Jesus Christ, they will always remember that. Children rarely forget what their mothers love. Where is Suyong? Ryan and Suyong, are they here? Dang, when I need them. Okay, so we have a, maybe she's a streaming. Okay. So Suyong went to a Christian college and seminary called the Seoul Theological Seminary. Seoul, uh, 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 Seoul Shinak Deakyo. And, uh, you know, I know that school a little bit well. Because the founding of that school was an elder. Now that elder, of course, he passed away. And his son was a prodigal son. He was not a good, he kind of playboy, not playboy. He, he didn't follow Christ as his father. But guess what? But he was a very wealthy businessman. But at the end of his life, he donated, you know, the, 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 the sort of a golden spot in Seoul area, the huge land 
to the, his father's denomination, and they built a school on there. And that's where the Suyong graduated. And then his son was a member of my church. In the honor of his father and grandfather, he built a $20 million you know, auditorium in the school. So once again, children remember what their parents really care about. So that's the first, you know, uh, 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 significance. Be a disciple of Jesus Christ, and your children will be far, not far from God. Second significance of Tabitha we see here was the uh, impact of a servant leadership. Look at the verse 37. About the time she became a sick and died, her body was washed and placed in an upstairs room. Lida was near Joppa. So when the disciples heard that Peter was in Lida, they sent two men to him and urged him, please come at once. You know, biblical scholars connected Tabitha's sacrificial servant life to her sickness and the eventual death. You know, she didn't get sick naturally, like uh, aging or old age. The fact that many widows showed the robes and clothing she made for them, that shows that she labored constantly. You know, Tabitha didn't buy all those clothes for the widows at Target or Walmart. She made uh, every single one of them. And anybody who made her clothing... And my family background in South America is a clothing business. So I know how time-consuming and labor-intensive clothing making is. She made every single one of them. And the Greek verb that she was always doing good is imperfect, which means she's been constantly doing this. And my guess is finally physical exhaustion took over her body. And uh, some of you, you know, without understanding the first century life, you know, life setting, they think, oh, what's the big deal about, uh, you know, coat and the robes and clothing? These are not uh, fashion items. These are life essentials. Back then, no robes. You cannot survive winter. This is a life essential item that she provided for them. On that note, I want to, you know, share a good news and invitation to everybody. We're going to do the two weeks, two Sundays of clean clothes and the backpack drive uh, to take with us to the uh, McAllen border area. Because uh, Pastor Ramirez told us the children in in the neighborhood, they go to school with uh, Walmart bags. You know what Walmart bag is? By that he meant the, uh, uh, the plastic bag from Walmart. They bundle some of them and put their you know, school stuff, and they go to school with a Walmart plastic bag instead of backpack. So we're going to do uh, backpack driving. So if you have uh, any un, you know, backpack you don't use, just to, you know, or clothes that you, don't, you, know, you, you start wearing, it, just to wash it clean nicely and bring back to the church next week and the uh, the last week of May is a lot, you know, that's the last. We have to pack and go, okay? So let's, 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 let's donate, okay? Now, Tabitha, after all this was gone, and the community of widows in Joppa is in the deep sadness. And Joppa, was, uh, Joppa is close to Lida, about 11 miles. 
So they, as soon as they heard that Peter was there, they sent out to Peter. You know, very interesting is that they asked Peter to come quickly, right? Come at once. But Tabitha was already dead. <laughs> There's no reason to hurry, right? What did they expect of him? Do you wonder? Did they expect him to resurrect her from death? Did they have, you know, I, I don't know. But one thing I can tell you is her death caused a crisis in community. Tabitha's absence felt freely by everybody, especially by widows in the community. That's what I mean by servant is a locus of a community. So here we can see what makes a community. You know, community and crowd are two different things. Crowd doesn't make a community, right? Sorry, Forest Sunday, we are more like a crowd. Friday, in house church, that is a community. That is a real. What makes a community? Community happens when there is a common need and committed leader. That's a community. Community happens when there is a common need and committed leader. And do you know what good community is? Good community is if there is a shared need, shared common need, and then servant shepherd. Shepherds who serve everyone with the prayers and sacrifice. And shepherds, I want you to know, I pray for every one of you every week, regardless of whether you send me weekly prayer you know, update or not. I know many of you feel guilty because you should. Because I'm just praying within my imagination. And, the, you know, this is something that we need to upgrade. Every monthly, you know, a pastor, pastor, house church, pastor's fellowship that I join, I'm kind of, you know, when they come, how do we keep each other accountable? I just, you know, I'm just hiding. I think we, we need to really uh, improve on that. Shepherd, why do I pray? Why do I pray for every single shepherd every week? Because... If they are in spiritual trouble, the whole house church will be in trouble. And the Satan will attack the house church no other than through the shepherds. That is the easy way. You just, you know, decapitate the general, rest of the army is, you know, you know. So, by the way, members of a house church, please pray at least once a week for your shepherd. It's not easy to be a shepherd, especially in the house church. Now, let me go, uh, let, me, let me take you to the final significance of Tabitha's life. I call it spark. Godly angel mother always lives a spark beyond her life. Beyond her life. So look at the verse 39. Peter went with them, and when he arrived, uh, when he, arrived he was taken upstairs to the room. All the widow, uh, widows stood around him and crying and showing him the robes and other clothing the dockers has made while she was with them. Peter sent them all out of the room and then got down on his knees and prayed. And turning to the dead woman, he said, Tabitha, get up. She opened her eyes and seeing Peter, she sat up. He took her by hand and helped her to her feet. And then he called for the believers, especially the widows, presented her to them alive. This became known all over the Joppa, and many people believed in the Lord. Peter stayed in Joppa for some time with a tenor named Simon. You know, first time I read this story of a Peter's healing, 
of uh, Tabitha, I had a big question, especially as a pastor. What would I do if I were Peter? <laughs> what would you do if you were Peter? If people ask you to come in this kind of situation, what would you do? Would, you know, would you approach the situation boldly like a Peter and pray for impossible, the resurrection of the dead? So question I have for myself and all of us is, uh, what made a Peter pray boldly like this? This is, uh, what I think, what happened. After listening everyone, especially the widow's testimony of Tabitha, Peter was not only impressed by this uh, female disciples and the shepherd's servant leadership and sacrificial love for all, but he also felt her work was still needed. Her ministry was not done. Her absence created a leadership vacuum too big for the community. And so Peter, I bet, was asking this question. What did Jesus do? What did Jesus do? WWJD. That's what he was asking. And then Peter remembered what Jesus did in the similar situation. A few years ago, he remembered. Because in the Luke chapter 8, Peter raised a 12 years old girl, daughter of a synagogue ruler named Zairus, in the very similar way. So like a Jesus in Zairus' house, Peter asked for privacy, asked everybody to leave. And the, as a, like a Jesus who told the Jairus' daughter, Talitakum, little girl, get up. Peter was telling Tabitha, Tabitha, get up. The language is the same. I bet he was saying Talitakum too. So once again, we see what? Modus operandi or mode of operation for Peter was apostolic succession. Yes, I said apostolic succession three times, so you better remember because apostolic succession is not a, some kind of theological term that a seminarian should learn and the pastor class. No, it is a spiritual principle. Apostolic succession means everything we do, we try to imitate and cultivate the, what Jesus has done in our own way, in our own time. Whatever I do, it's all about imitating Christ. What our church is about, is about cultivating Jesus' wish in our time. Amen? So we, apostolic succession is a real thing for us. Now, can you imagine the joy of a Tabitha's resurrection to our community, especially to the widows? By the, by the way, why do you think widows are ecstatic about her return? Do you think they were happy because they're going to have a new robes again? I don't think, you know, their joy came from that selfish, utilitarian, pragmatic, you know, uh, uh, reasons. When Tabitha passed away, I bet some of widows felt, I never expressed my gratitude to her enough. I never told her how much she meant for me. I never told her that next time I want to help her. There was a lot of lingering feeling that, oh, I should have... I, with a Tabitha to return, I believe, was a joyful to the whole community because they have a second chance. 
I bet Tabitha didn't have to work hard like before because when she was, you know, overworking, they said, please, please, let me do it. Let me do it. You rest, you rest. You know, I bet other people all step up. I bet the community of widows through the return and resurrection of Tabitha became a community of workers and co-workers. Amen? Now, how about Peter? Today's story ends very interestingly, and you should pay attention. Verse 43, Peter stayed in Joppa for some time. Peter didn't go back to Lida. Stayed in Joppa. That's not surprising. But next phrase is very interesting. With a tanner named Simon. By the way, what's the big deal about tanner named Simon? This is the first and the last time we're going to see his name. So, and this is unnecessary almost. Why does he look mentioned? There is a reason. What is a tanner? Tanner is a person who makes a leather with a dead animal. So you have to touch a lot of dead animal. And what's the Jewish people's attitude toward the touching dead animal? It goes against the Levitical regulation. Jewish people's sensibility is irked by the tanners or touching dead animals. The fact that Peter stayed with Simon the tanner at Joppa means something is happening in Peter. Do you notice that? One a New Testament scholar said this. This is a more, more the, the, this seemingly unnecessary mention reveals that Peter was slowly but steadily moving away from his previous temple-centered faith and ministry to spirit-centered faith and ministry. Amen? So here is a point. In Acts chapter 10, which we will study next week, we see God sending Peter to Roman centurion Cornelius. But before God sent Peter to Roman centurion, God sent Peter to who? Tabitha, who is already interacting with the Jews and the Greeks. Through the Tabitha's ministry, Peter was unknowingly prepared to do the next ministry. That's what I mean by spark. The great significance of a parenting is what? Sparking our children to do God's ministry bigger and better in their time. Amen? I really pray that if we do our ministry right, house church and Good Shepherd College, everything is right, we will raise our children not just another church, I mean, not just believing in Jesus, but fully devoted followers of Christ, and they can take a gospel to all of the world. Yes, that's what we are praying for. Dear brothers and sisters, Luke didn't tell us much about Tabitha except her identity as a disciple of Christ and her love for the widows and her impact in the community. I pray the same legacy and love and impact that we all make. Let's pray.